Good evening, everybody. You are tuned into the third episode of the Gimme the Points podcast. This is Soup. I am flying solo tonight. Tyler is out of pocket once again. Uh, no producer Dale, as we are getting ready for our upcoming vacation. You might hear a little bit of background noise tonight. That's because I'm not in my normal spot. You might hear my dog snorting. Um, I apologize for that. But all in all, last week on the second episode, we covered three college games, and we went 3-0. and We started the season out perfect. We had Illinois plus the 7.5. Um, they covered this. They actually won the game outright. Martinez, the fumbling machine that we labeled him as, put the ball in the dirt right before the half, scoop and score. That's the go-ahead score for Illinois, and they never looked back. Nebraska tried to make a push there at the end, but uh, uh, you know it was too much to uh, for them to overcome in the fourth quarter. Uh, the next game we had was S or not SMU Fresno State over forty four points. Um, Fresno won the game forty five to nothing. We said don't take the the game over, take the team total over because in the game over you have to rely on UConn to score some points, and they. Didn't do that. They scored zero. Um, UConn's just as bad as they were back in 2019. Uh, it's going to be a terrible season for the Huskies this year. The third game we hit was the UCLA-Hawaii under 68.5. I called that game in the mid-50s. It finished 44-10 to 10, right in the mid-50s. Um, it was ugly early. I thought the under was going to get slaughtered. It was 31-10, to 10, like halfway through the second quarter. But UCLA did what they're supposed to do, and they just ran the ball consistently, ran the clock out, and got out of there with an impressive win. If it was against a team like you, uh, you know USC or somebody like that, they might have tried to run the score up a little more. But against Hawaii, nobody cares if you beat them by 35 or 65. It's irrelevant. You're not making the college football playoffs. The so margin of victory doesn't matter. They did the smart thing. They got out of there without any injuries, and they did not extend the game uh, unnecessarily. This week, uh, we're going to cover some top 25 matchups, but first I wanted to cover two NFL headlines that are important to both myself and to Tyler, who is not here to defend his Jaguars, but I want to start with Urban Meyer. Um, Urban Meyer was a fantastic college coach. He, you know, he cut his teeth in college football at Utah as the head coach, then at Florida as the head coach, and then obviously he ended his career at Ohio State. He was the best recruiter in college football while he was a head coach in college football. To be a great recruiter, you have to be an amazing liar. That's what those guys do. They lie to kids every single day. They lie to them about the playing time that they're going to get. Um, you know, you're going to get this much playing time. You're going to be a starter, knowing damn well that this kid's going to be a sixth six stringer and might never see the field. But that's what they do. They lie extremely well. So why did Urban Meyer not lie? when he should have lied um, this week, he was asked if COVID vaccination status was taken into account when cutting players and making the 53 man roster. And he didn't deny it. Um, he actually confirmed that yes, that was taken into consideration. And it was like third on their list of things that they went through. Um, me, do I agree with it? I think every team did it. Um, I don't think that there's any denying that every team did it, but is every team going to admit to it? No, but Urban Meyer admitted to it. Jacksonville has already recanted the statement. They're trying to say that it did not take place. It's too late. You know, everybody knows the cat's out of the bag. You admitted to it. And the NFL Players Association is not happy about it. 
We'll see what happens to the Jaguars and Urban Meyer. You know, if they get a fine or whatever might happen to them. But it has to be a consideration because of the strict rules that they put in place this year and how unvaccinated players, you know, the, the weight that a punishment holds towards them as far as a forfeit goes. And that leads me into the news with New England. Mac Jones is QB1. He won the job from Cam Newton. But what happened after that, I don't think anybody saw coming, but it makes total sense. Cam Newton was released by the Patriots and is now a free agent in the NFL. Cam Newton came to New England not wanting to be a backup. That's why he didn't take jobs elsewhere. He came to New England because he was getting the starting job over Jarrett Stidham. When Cam Newton lost a job, I would assume that Belichick, who has you know an amazing amount of respect for Cam Newton, went to Cam and said, hey, you can either be the backup or we can agree to part ways. If Cam chose that decision, so be it. But if he chose to be the backup, do you really want your backup quarterback holding all the weight in the locker room over your rookie? These guys, you know, looked up to Cam. They loved his work ethic. He might not have put it all together on the field, but he was a leader in that locker room. That's not something you want out of your backup quarterback when you're trying to promote your rookie quarterback as the leader, you know, the um, the leader of that team, not only the offense, but the team as a whole. And then you bring in Cam's vaccination status. Cam, you know, as known to anybody who watches football, is unvaccinated. And to each their own, you know, everybody's body is their own body. If Cam doesn't want to get the shot, that's up to Cam. But as far as a business standpoint in putting your team at risk for forfeits, he took no precautions. Um, he's been on the COVID list four times now. If he was wearing a mask, anytime you see him with a mask, he's got it pulled down. He's not using the mask properly. Everybody has their own opinion on you know the effectiveness of the mask. So be it. There's rules put in place in the NFL, and Cam did not follow those rules. Cam then you know put himself uh, in way of exposure, causing him to be on the COVID list. Now, if this happens during the regular season he could cause New England a forfeit. So I understand releasing Cam Newton. There's no point in having him take the leadership out of Mac Jones and letting Mac Jones grow as a quarterback. And there's also no reason to keep him around to you know, run the risk of a forfeit. The keys are in Mac Jones' hands. Let's see what he can do with it. Um, I think it's his team for the rest of the season. He's not going to get benched for Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer's there as a mentor for Mac Jones. And I really do think it's a good uh, mentorship for Mac Jones and Mac Jones is in a good spot. You don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy that was Cam Newton. Cam Newton was the guy that replaced Tom Brady. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy who replaced the guy, because that means, you know, everybody, uh, the Cam Newton softened the blows from Tom Brady to the next quarterback. Um, I think the majority of the new England fan base is excited about Mac Jones I have my reservations. I'm not going to get my hopes up too much. I'd love to see the kids succeed because I would love to see New England back in the playoffs. I'd love to see them again as an AFC powerhouse. He looked good in the preseason. I think this is going to do wonders for Damian Harris's career. Um, I think it's going to do really, you know, it's going to be really nice for Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar. We'll just see what he's able to do. Hopefully um, he doesn't have the rookie jitters, which, warming up against Miami, a big division game. We'll see how he does week one, um, Mac Jones versus Tua. It's crazy to think that Mac Jones, Tua, and Jalen Hurts 
were all on the Alabama roster, along with Najee Harris, along with uh, Damian Harris, along with Jalen Waddle, along with Devontae Smith. I mean, that that Alabama roster was absolutely loaded. I think it was six linemen as well who have been drafted. It's it's astronomical what that Alabama team was able to put together. And that's going to segue us right into our week one college plays. Um, Bama versus Miami. Bama's coming in at minus 19 and a half. I like De'Eric King this year for Miami. I really do think he's a special quarterback. The kid's a lot of fun to watch. But this Alabama team is going to be different than last year. It's not going to be offense, offense, offense. This Alabama defense is legit. The, the linebacking core for this Alabama team might be the best unit across all of college football. Um, not only linebacker unit, but I'm talking overall unit. I'm talking this linebacker unit might be better than any wide receiver unit, any running back core, any secondary. I think this this Alabama uh, linebacking core is legit. Um, I think Alabama is able to maintain De'Eric King, make him a pocket passer. Do not let him get out. Do not let him extend plays. Do not let him make plays with his legs. That's when secondaries break down, and that's where he's going to find his big plays. I think Alabama's defense keeps it in check. And I think Alabama's offense, as they're not going to be as polished as last year, I think that they'll be okay. I think they're still going to put up somewhere around 42 to 45 points in this game. And I think they hold Miami under 21. I'm going to go Alabama 45, Miami 17. So it's a 28-point margin of victory that covers by that covers our spread by over a touchdown. I like Alabama, Alabama minus 19 and a half in this game. My next game here is the Sam Howe Heisman race. Um, we're going to ride North Carolina in the first game, but we're not taking them to cover the five and a half. We're just going to take the over here. Uh, last year when they played Virginia tech, there was about 1200 yards put up in total offense. I expect North Carolina's offense, although they lost their top two wide receivers and their top two running backs to the draft, <clears throat> I expect North Carolina's offense to still click just fine. I expect Sam Howe to start off his Heisman campaign with probably a 42-point performance here. The line's coming in at 63.5. Virginia Tech's offense, while it's not as good as North Carolina, it's not bad, and North Carolina's defense is not stellar. So I think Virginia Tech will be able to put up in the high 20s uh, this game might even be a really, really close game until the final possession, and Sam Howell, you know, throws a touchdown on the final possession. So I like the over 63.5 in this game. Uh, my next top 25 matchup, you have Iowa versus Indiana. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. is back. He is healthy. He's damn good, but they don't have a run game. They didn't have a run game last year. I don't expect them to have a run game this year. And going up against Iowa, who's returning a majority of their defensive starters, um, I don't see Penix being able to throw the ball exceptionally well. Iowa has a very good secondary. They've got your prototypical Big Ten defense. They're, uh, they're stout on that side of the ball. And I think Iowa does enough on the offensive end of the ball to get the job done here. I'll say Iowa 23, Indiana 17. I like Iowa to cover the three points um, in case this game does get out of control offensively. I don't want to take the under. I have another big 10 under that I really like. So we're just going to take Iowa to cover three points in this game. The next game is Texas versus uh, the university of Louisiana Lafayette. 
the surprise team of the year last year really was uh, was the Raging Cajuns. Their offense was fantastic. They averaged 425 yards per game, 34 and a half points per game. And I think that that bodes well against a Texas defense that has struggled notoriously for the, the past five, six years. Um, yes, Texas lost some offensive weapons. They lost their quarterback in Sam Ellinger. But I do believe that Bijan Robinson is one of the best backs in the country. And they brought in the college offensive guru in Steve Sarkeesian as their head coach. You might remember him as Alabama's offensive coordinator last year and you know, I'll be damned if that offensive talent at Alabama wasn't fantastic. Um, Sark will bring in some fantastic game plans and draw up some really special plays for this Texas offense. With that being said, I, I like Texas offense. I don't like their defense. I like ULL's offense. I'm taking the over 57 and a half points in this game. Um, the next game is, I'm going to save this game for last. We're going to cover Notre Dame versus Florida State. Um, Notre Dame minus seven against Florida state right now. A lot of new faces on Notre Dame's offense. A lot of new faces on Florida state's defense. I we've, we've had the opportunity to see Jack Cohn play quarterback at Wisconsin. He is a game managing quarterback. He's not going to wow you with crazy arm strength. He's not going to break, you know, 30, 40 yard runs. He's going to do what's necessary to win the game. I believe he's definitely a step down in talent from Ian Book. But one thing that Notre Dame is going to do is they're going to have a, you know, a top-notch offensive line and they're going to be able to run the ball effectively. Um, that's where Florida State's going to struggle is stopping the run. Florida State's been an absolute dumpster fire as of late. They can't figure out what they're good at and what they're bad at. Um, I like Notre Dame to cover the seven points in this game. So I'm going to buy the half point, and I'm going to say Notre Dame minus six and a half. I know last week I said dogs and unders are very profitable in college football, but in this week one, there's just these these lines just stick out to me. Um, these offenses versus piss poor defenses for the overs, and the favorites that I'm picking, just Alabama. I don't think has lost in the home open or a, a week one opener, and coming up on 20 years. And I don't see that happening now. So that's my reasoning behind these, you know, these favorites and these overs. We're now going to go towards some dogs and some unders. Um, the under in the Wisconsin Penn State game. Dale and I touched on it last week. We didn't even know what the line was, but we liked the under. And I love the under. Um, Sean Clifford's the quarterback for Penn State. And Graham, uh, Graham Mertz is the quarterback for Wisconsin. I don't think either team is going to be able to run the ball very well because both of these defenses are fantastic. Um, and Mertz and Clifford were both supposed to be that guy. Uh, Mertz looked like for a second he was going to be the quarterback that Wisconsin's been searching for. Um, and Sean Clifford, you know, wanted to come in and, and replace Trace McSorley and keep the, the offensive firepower going. But they're both very turnover uh, turnover prone quarterbacks and against good defenses that doesn't bode well for an over. Um, I expect the defenses to perform as, you know, as expected, I guess, um, for a lack of better words. Um, so I'd take the under 51 and a half. 
I think this is going to be like a 21-17 game. I don't know if we're going to see 40 points in this game. I think it's going to be a long, drawn-out, slow game, competitive, um, top 25 matchup. But I still like the under in this game. I think this is going to be a story for these teams for the rest of the season. You're going to see some slow, um, close, but unders hitting in, uh, in, their, in their games for the season. Now, the game of the week, hell, probably the game of the year up until – the um, conference playoffs and the the college football playoffs. We've got Georgia versus Clemson. This is at Clemson. Clemson's coming in at minus three. I am a dogs fan. Um, Georgia's going to be able to run the ball better. Clemson's going to be able to pass the ball better until late. I think JT Daniels will be better with the ball come late game situation than the big Senko. Um, I think that one more turnover for Clemson is going to be the difference in this game. Personally, I think Georgia wins this game. I think they have more to play for. Um, they need to make a statement. Kirby Smart needs to make a statement. He has been nothing but Alabama's little sister since he's came to Georgia, and he needs to come out and say, hey, look, we're for real. We're going to win this top five matchup week one, and we're going to steamroll everybody else, and Bama will see you in three months in the SEC championship. And hopefully we get to see Georgia versus Clemson again in the college football playoffs. I think that would be ideal to see two teams who got to play each other early to see what kind of adjustments, especially with the, the head coach caliber that Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney bring to the table. I'd love to see the adjustments those guys make. But we do have two good quarterbacks, um, two top five Heisman candidates, and I will give the edge to Georgia on the defensive side and the running game. I'm talking myself more of making the play for Georgia to win this game outright, but we're going to go under 52 and a half points here. I like this to be a national championship caliber game. I think both teams are going to be ready. I really do. I don't think we're going to see very much sloppy ball um, just because it's low scoring. Doesn't mean it's sloppy because there's two sides of the uh, two sides of the ball that need to be played. And both these defenses should bring, you know, some top caliber NFL talent to the field this year. Um, so I like 52 and a half, the under here. I'll say as a prediction, I'm going to say Georgia wins this game 26 to 23. So barely sneaking in the under, but I like them to win the game, but I also like the under. Our play is the under. So a recap for you guys, for the plays we're making for week one, we're going Bama minus 19 and a half over De'Aaron King in Miami. We're going North Carolina and Sam Howe. The over 63 and a half against Virginia Tech. We're going Iowa minus three over Michael Penix and in the Indiana Hoosiers. We're going Texas versus Louisiana Lafayette. We're going the over in that game, 57 and a half. I think this game's going to crush the over. I like mid 60s, if not into the 70s in this game. I think it's going to. Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout, and I think it's going to be quick. Um, and I like uh, Wisconsin versus Penn State. Clifford versus Mertz. I like the under 51 and a half in that game. Um, and then UGA versus Clemson, 7.30 Saturday night. Give me the under 52 and a half in that game. And then the Sunday night 7.30 game, let's buy the half point. Let's take Notre Dame minus six and a half against Florida State. Um, this is a short, quick episode. We had a little hiccup when recording. So this is a little bit different than the stream on YouTube. There's a little more content on YouTube, a little more bullshitting. Uh, Dale from Punchless MMA hops in out of nowhere. If you want to hop in there, get his input. 
watch the stream, also listening to us on wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether it be whether it be Spotify or iTunes. If it's on iTunes, please leave us a review, a five-star review. You don't have to leave a comment. A comment is appreciated. Um, slide in the DMs. Get at us on Instagram. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, anything that you think we can do to improve on the show. Tyler will be back next week. Um, I know I've been saying we're going to go over units and bankroll management, and hopefully you guys that are listening are excited about that. Um, but as of right now, these are all one-unit plays. Last week, we're all one-unit plays. We're not going to do anything extravagant. I want him to be here for that because I want you guys to fully understand what we're doing as a team uh, attacking this football season. Um, and like I said, he'll be back next Wednesday. He's, uh, he's down for the count tonight. Uh, my guy's got some chronic migraines, and for those of you who suffer from migraines, you know it's hard enough to keep your eyes open, let alone talk for 35 or 45 or an hour long, which when there's two of us on here, it's easier to go because it flows better. But next week, I will be in South Carolina. I'll be recording uh, alongside of Dale. Tyler will be on with us, and it is week one of the NFL season. We have so much in store I cannot wait to run through every single game, give our leans, give our picks. Um, NFL is going to be awesome. I'm super excited. We had the fantasy football drafts this weekend. And uh, if you don't, if you're listening to us and you don't listen to Punchless MMA, go listen to Punchless MMA. Uh, I know 99% of you guys that are on here are degenerates. You're just looking for something to bet on. And go bet on some punch face. Watch some guys beat each other up and get some fantastic professional insight from Dale and Trey at Punchlist MMA. Um, they abs- they hit a monster parlay this week. Uh, it was 65 to 1. They threw 25 bucks down to win 1,700. They projected three fights in their exact outcome. Um, if, you're, you know, if you're into hitting 65 to 1 on your money, uh, go get on that. Go listen to Punchlist MMA. I will throw some uh, some underdog parlays at you this year. Um, they have been known by those close to me as grandma's pension plays. Um, they're they're what they're what build your bankroll. We find a couple each year where we parlay three or four underdog money lines that are going to give you somewhere to forty to fifty to one on your money. Um, those will be just fun plays that we can track throughout the year. But mainly, like I said, we're going to do one unit, two unit, five unit plays. I appreciate everybody who listens. I appreciate the support so early on in this podcast. And we're only going to grow from here. Um, Until next week, guys, good fortune to you. And we'll talk to you then.